Well, as you can see on the screen, we are continuing in our series in Galatians, Pure Gospel, No Additives. And just last week, we had the privilege of hearing from Pastor Austin. Didn't Austin do a great job? I mean, that was phenomenal. It was a great sermon. Loved it. And then uh, Pastor Austin, along with Pastor Jared, I feel like I have a great privilege of just ministering alongside some really good pastors and being a part of that team. I love those guys, and it's a privilege we have as a church. One of the things Pastor Austin pointed out last week was that that recurring theme that we are freed from the law, we're freed from religion, we're freed from a system of earning favor with God. But what was unique last week is Austin told us, listen, you're not free to do whatever you want, though. Remember, we're still under the law of love, under the law of love. And, and what, what that means is uh, th- that somebody's excited about it, at least, right? Like, that's good. That's good, right? Okay, it's a good thing. The, uh, what that means is the, the life, being in the law of love, that's the life for which we were created, people. That's like a fish swimming in water. We are supposed to, that's the good life. But we have a big problem. And the problem is there's this wrestling match within us. I I don't know if you'll be able to relate to this. Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 about this wrestling match within us, that the very good things I wish to do, I don't do. I want to read the Bible, and I want to pray more, and I want to give more, and I want to serve more, but I just, I don't do enough of those things. And then, and then the things I don't want to do, the bad stuff, I, I don't know what you struggle with, if it's pornography or drunkenness or gossip, but the things we don't want to do, we end up doing And Paul says, the good I wish to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Wretched man that I am. Can you relate to that? Listen, if you can relate to this, I got a lot for you this morning. If you can't relate to this, you can tune out for about 30 minutes, okay? Like, I got nothing for you. Because that's our struggle. That's our struggle. We do that. We fail. It's frustrating. We feel like that. And listen, before Paul wrote Romans chapter 7, he wrote the Cliff's Notes on that, and it's in Galatians chapter 5. It's the beginning of our passage this morning, and here it is in Galatians 5 verse 16. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So you see, Paul talks about a wrestling match within a spirit and flesh, and they're opposed, and one's going to win, and one's not, and there's always there's just this war going on inside me all the time. Now, he uses uh, language like wrestling. I relate to wrestling. I, I was a wrestler. Now, <laughs> We have a lot of veterans in our congregation. Have you ever gone up to a Marine and say, hey, you were a Marine, right? What do you mean, were a Marine? I am a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Semper Fi, baby. Let me be clear. I was a wrestler. (laughs) Don't don't be mistaken. That was 35 years ago. Past tense, rearview mirror. I was a wrestler. Wrestling's an interesting sport. It's when you take a, a teenage young man, boy in the height of puberty and awkwardness, and you put him in a women's bathing suit. You can call it a singlet if you want, but let's be honest. And then you're going to fill a gymnasium with all his peers and his friends and teammates, classmates, girls he wants to date, and you put them all in there, and then you're going to bring them out on a mat and have them roll around with another sweaty dude. 
wrestling, right? That's what it is. But it's a great sport because it's opposition, and somebody's going to win, and somebody's going to dominate. Somebody, that's the battle. Paul is saying all of us are wrestlers. There's a wrestling match going within us all the time. It's the flesh against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and they're opposed to each other, and one's going to win. And so the things you want to do, you don't do. The things you don't want to do, you end up doing, and it's frustrating. It's all the time. It's exhausting. Here's the good news. It's going to go on until you go home to Jesus. <laughs> it's just not going to stop. Until you die or until Jesus comes back, that wrestling match will continue. Now, there is a day coming when we will go home and then we will be at peace and I cannot wait. But until then, every day is a battle. Life in a fallen world is a war. Peace is going to have to wait. Not yet. Not yet. Now, I know that sounds hard, but it's true. And, and, and you know what's worse than being at war? Being at war and not knowing it. That's like way worse. And so Paul's going to be honest with us, and he's going to say, hey, let's be honest. There's a wrestling match going on within you. We need to talk about it. Folks, this is why retreating to a monastery doesn't work. When I retreat to a monastery, the problem I have is that I take me with me. And there's a civil war within me, so I take that with me. And so I need a solution that is outside of me that's more powerful than me. Now, remember when Paul taught in the region of Galatia, there were these opponents that came behind him. We've called them Judaizers. And the Judaizers had a solution for this problem, and for them it was the law. The law. They're going to say, hey, yes, flesh, beer, they're at all. So what they're going to do is double down on the flesh, work harder in the flesh, keep the law. Here's the problem. The law never worked. Never did. At the very beginning of human history, our first parents were in the Garden of Eden, and God gave them one rule, just one law. That's it. You can do whatever you want, just don't touch that tree. And we blew it like that. We are law breakers by nature. You understand, to shout more laws at law breakers never moves the needle at all. It just doesn't work. We are law breakers. I remember, uh, so when I was a wrestler, I was a flyweight. Take it on faith. Okay. <laughs> My freshman year, I was a little kid growing up. I was a late bloomer. My freshman year, I wrestled 98 pounds. Not even three digits. My senior year, I wrestled 126. Like, listen, it's like I had a twin and I resorbed him <laughs> since graduating high school. Now I'm double, right? Anyway, so, so yeah, I was a little guy. Could you imagine putting me on the mat with a heavyweight? Like, I'd shoot in. <clears throat> like, there's nothing to it. And so it doesn't matter what you shout from the side of the mat. Try a single leg. It's not going to work. Try harder. Not going to work. I need something outside of me to make that thing work. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has a different solution, which is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that is the solution. See, law does not counter flesh, but the Spirit does. Now, as soon as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we have a problem, and that's called ignorance. We know a lot about God the Father. We know a lot about God the Son. Unfortunately, as a church today, we tend to be ignorant about God the Holy Spirit. So let's do a little theological review. 
God is way bigger than us. He blows our minds. The very essence of God is way beyond our conception. We know that he is one God, but he is eternally existent in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each of those three are equally and fully God, and each of them are personal. So when we refer to God the Father, we say he, not it. When we refer to Jesus, we say he, not it. When we refer to the Holy Spirit, we say he, not it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He, just like the Father and the Son. Now the reason this becomes important is because from the moment you receive Jesus Christ into your life and become a Christian, God puts a deposit in your life That is his Holy Spirit himself. He takes up residence in your life as a Christian. You are indwelt by the Spirit. We see that in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Or do you not know? And the answer is, yeah, most Christians don't know this. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? That the Holy Spirit's right in there. So the Holy Spirit then becomes the power source for all Christian living. And we're ignorant of it, and that's why we're frustrated. It's almost like running a, have you ever run a circular saw across wood with it unplugged? Could you imagine how frustrating? Like, that's trying to live the Christian life unplugged from the Holy Spirit. But the problem we have is that we end up with two camps in Christianity. And I'm going to make exaggerations on both sides so you get it. On the one side, we have charismaniacs who have lots of misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit. And it's easy to throw rocks at them because most of you are on the other end of the spectrum. You're the frozen chosen. And what you have is ignorance of the Holy Spirit. And neither of those are good options. Because the Holy Spirit is really, really important. And so we're frustrated and we're defeated. But the solution is something called the Spirit-filled Life That is not only being indwelled with the Spirit, but filled by the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. What does the Spirit-filled life look like? And for that, we're going to go to the rest of our passage, and here's where we're going to continue in verse 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now this is a very packed section of scripture. Parts of it are probably well known to some of you. It's a very important part because some of this is the secret of the Christian life. And that's why I want you to pay attention today. It's about the spirit-filled life. But what does the spirit-filled life look like? And Paul has told us a few things already. The first thing I want to point out is that it is a walk. 
Maybe you notice in verse 16, he said, walk by the Spirit. It's a walk. Now, we got to understand something about their culture. They didn't walk for fun. Like some of you are hikers. They would say, what's wrong with you people? Nobody like walks for fun back then. Like walking was travel. It was commuting. commuting. It's how they did anything. It's how they did everything. They walked all the time. So go figure, Paul chooses walking as the analogy for the life of the spirit-filled life. Because it is step by step, it is moment by moment, it is all the time. If we were to translate it into our culture today, we would say do laundry by the Holy Spirit. Right? Because laundry is never finished. It's eternal. It's every moment. Like it's ongoing. Or do dishes by the Holy Spirit, the mundane details of your life. How about this one? Drive by the Holy Spirit. Like please. Right? Have you noticed today like when somebody is about to, hit you and you honk at them, they give you the finger? What's with that? Right? Like, drive by the Spirit, drive by the Spirit, right? Drive by the Spirit, right? We've got to do this. Now, he uses walking, though, because another thing about walking that's interesting, walking is very relational. You ever go for a walk with someone? It's kind of an intimate thing. It's conversational. It's life on life. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to walk with the Spirit. Now, the Judaizers' solution was very religious. What they wanted wasn't us to be changed by an external, impersonal law. That's not what God does. He says instead he has a relational solution, and that is that we go hand in hand and we walk with the Holy Spirit throughout life. That's it. That's a different solution. The other thing that's great about walking is it's wonderfully low shelf. Okay? You do not need a seminary degree to walk with the Spirit. There are a lot of pastors who don't walk in the Spirit, and it shows. It's not, listen, it's not, the spiritual life is not about winning a Bible trivia contest. It's about walking with the Holy Spirit as a way of life. It's low shelf. And so it's, it's about a walk. Going on a walk. Now, another thing Paul said in the passage is that it's about fruit. I heard uh, one guy a long time ago, a guy named Dr. Paul Cox, he taught on this passage, and he lived out in California, and he talked about a time he was walking through an orange grove with his wife, and he stopped with her, and he said, honey, stop, 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 listen, listen. Do you hear that? He said, no, I, I, don't, I don't hear anything. Do you hear the fruit straining to grow? No, you don't, do you? Because fruit doesn't strain to grow. That's not how fruit happens. Fruit, simply, what happens is the branch stays connected to the tree, and therefore the fruit just grows naturally, right? And that's the spirit-filled life. Listen, growing spiritually is not about duct-taping fruit to your tree. It's about staying connected to the spirit, and the fruit just naturally happens. There's no straining. That's fruit. And Paul talks about it that way. Now, part of that is because it is internal, not external. Internal, not external. So I already told you that when you come to Christ, you are indwelt by the third person of the Trinity, the the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, takes up residence in your life. Let me tell you about a problem you have right now. All of you just took what I said in stride and yawned at it. Time out, time out. Listen. When you came to Jesus Christ and he became your Lord, he put a deposit in your life, which means the very 
God of the universe in the person of the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. That ought to blow your minds. Right now, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. That's crazy. It means something. Let me show you how that works out in the Spirit-filled life. Brought in a glove. We've got the of glove. I don't know if you have the of glove. My mom figured we needed an of glove. I have an of glove. We use it. It's good. So here's this glove. That represents your life. And, and now the Judaizers, they're going to come along with a solution that is law, that is flesh. And, and so what we want is we want this glove to display life. So the Judaizers are going to go, hey, hey, um, wiggle your fingers. No. Uh, make a fist. It probably needs more laws. Um, give me the thumbs up. You know what? It's not doing it. Maybe if I shout louder, make a fist. This is the Judaizer solution. How's it working? Not so good, right? Not so good. And so the Judaizers are going to go with something external. They're going to go with something religious. They're going to go with something lifeless and powerless. But God has a different solution. It's that he takes his Holy Spirit and he puts it inside your life. And now it's animated. It can do stuff. And this is God's solution. God's solution is internal. It's relationship, life on life. It's life and it's powerful. This is what God does. And it's way different than the Judaizer solution. Now, if we're honest though, some of you might not like the idea of being filled and controlled and led. But I tell you, you're naive. I don't mean to be mean. You're just naive. Because here's the drill. You will be controlled, period. That ship has sailed. The only question is, will you be controlled by your flesh or by the Spirit? Those are your choices, people. And I want to be controlled by the Spirit. To let God, the Holy Spirit, not only indwell me, but fill feel, feel me and lead me throughout life. That's the good life. It's internal, not external. Now, another thing, I don't know if you caught it as Paul gave those two lists but it is both defense and offense. Okay, so, so there's two lists. He gives this long list about the flesh, and then he gives a list about the spirit, and so there's defense and offense there. We'll, we'll start with defense. He talks about defending against the works of the flesh, all those sins. He gave that like list of the flesh. Now, the flesh there doesn't mean my physical body. It means my old nature, my fallen nature, my sinful nature. That's what's... And it comes out in all those gross things. He gave that list. What a list, right? It was a big list. It was a long list. It was a gross list. And then he ends it with, and things like these. <laughs> like, open-ended. There's like lots more that you people are a mess, but I'm done with the list. I'm going to move on, right? That's what he's doing. And things like these. And it's such a picture and picture of brokenness. It's true of us. We do those things. It's gross down here. We have broken this world. It's terrible. And on the list, there's like a mixture of biggins and like normal ones, right? There's things on there like sorcery and orgies. <laughs> like, what? I must be doing well because I don't do either of those. Okay, but then he gives normal ones like jealousy, anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy. Okay, pause there for a second. I just described the congregational life of a lot of churches. And so Pastor Daryl Dash said this. 
He said, many churches won't put up with orgies. Okay, pause there. That's good. I endorse that. I affirm that first sentence, okay, like that first phrase. But he says, many churches won't put up with orgies, but they'll put up with anger and division. Paul puts them on the same list. It's all the work of the flesh. It's the same thing. And it's important that we get this, and here's why. Because if you heard what it said in the passages, those who do such things won't inherit the kingdom of God. You say, time out, Pastor. Wait, I thought it wasn't Jesus plus anything else. Pure gospel, no additives. I thought I didn't have to earn my way in. Absolutely. But understand something about the Greek. Where it says those who do such things, the word do, the, the verb there, is in a tense in the Greek that doesn't translate well into the English. It is in a tense that it implies continual, ongoing, habitual action. So it's those who continually do these things, those who make a practice of these things, those who have a lifestyle of these things won't inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because when you come to Christ, he invades your life with the Holy Spirit. Change might be gradual, change might be rocky, but there is change, there is impact. And if there's no impact, then you probably don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, which means you never receive Jesus, which means you're not saved, which means you won't inherit the kingdom of God. See that? That's what's being said there. So we say, well, crap, I better try harder. <laughs> Swing and a miss. No, no, no. It, it's, it, that's not how you do it. Flesh is the problem. Flesh is not the solution. So read verse 16 again. He said, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I'll use one example. Pornography. How many of you struggle with porn? No, don't raise your hands. Um, <laughs> but if we did that, I bet you a lot of people would raise their hands. And I don't know, it might be porn, it might be something else in your life, but here's the question. Do you think that you look at pornography while you are keeping in step with the Holy Spirit? While you are walking hand in hand throughout life with the Holy Spirit? Probably not. No. Or whatever it else is that you deal with. See, the Holy Spirit is the defense against the works of the flesh. And his list that Paul gave, it was long. Most scholars break it down into uh, your sex life, your spiritual life, your relationships, and then your character or your addictions. And, and so there's these four categories. And here's the thing. You won't get your life, you won't get those areas under control or in order without the Holy Spirit, period. Now, you can stop anything for a season, but to see real change, lasting change, that will take the Holy Spirit. And I know this personally. I came from messy, people. We, we say all the time, Redemption, Redemption Chapel does messy. The reason I lead us there is so that I can come in the building. Because if not, I'm not allowed. I came from messy. And lust and immorality was a huge part of my background. I had a huge stronghold in my life. And I tried all kinds of fleshly stuff, some of them under a Christian label. And none of it worked. Short-term success, long-term failure. Every time, over and over, and I was frustrated. And I, what happened eventually is I turned to God in desperation. I said, I cannot, but you can. And I walked with the Holy Spirit, and I let him do in my life what I could not do. I had to yield to the Holy Spirit to seek him, to love him, to walk with him, and to let him change me from the inside out. It's our only hope against the flesh. But here's the thing. All that's just defense. That's just defense. 
Remember, Paul had another list. And so it's not only defense, it's and offense. And offense. Notice that the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians 5, doesn't just play defense. He's going to score some points. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. Those are positive things. He's scoring points there. He not only stops the flesh, but he develops his fruit in your life. Many of you, I fear, think the Spirit-filled life is only about defense. So you don't drink, and you don't smoke, and you don't watch bad movies, but you're a jerk. And you think you're living the Spirit-filled life. That's not it. Let's be honest. Think how much we tend to judge spirituality by the absence of sin, not by the presence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's a problem. That's a big problem. We, we as followers of Jesus should want to be like him, right? Now listen, I told you before that if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read all four of those, you wouldn't come to the end of that and go, you know what, that Jesus, he was so circumcised. And, and did you see how he kept the kosher diet? We wouldn't say, but remember that's the Judaizer solution. Okay, but but there's more to it than just that. Like, we wouldn't come to the end of the four Gospels and go, did you notice how Jesus didn't do orgies? We would never say that. What we would say is, my goodness, did you see my Lord? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's my Lord. And if you read the Gospels carefully, you'll see over and over again, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. And then it continues. That's how he did it. He was full of the Holy Spirit. So let's be like Jesus, our Lord. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit and see that fruit in our life. You see, Christianity is more about just avoiding sin. How would you like? The, The fruit of the Spirit is listed in verses 22 and 23. How would you like verses 22 and 23 to be said about you? Somebody's going to describe you, oh man, love, joy, peace. Like, wouldn't that be, isn't that who you want to be? Many of you are trying to live out Christianity without being different from the world. That's nuts. Why? That's the works of the flesh. That's the pain. That's the brokenness. That's the frustration. Let God make you different, wonderfully different. Be like our Lord. Let the Holy Spirit develop his fruit, go on offense in your life. Now to do that, you've got to value his kingdom, not yours. His ways, not yours. You've got to love him and get to know him and enjoy him and just walk with him. And when you walk with him, you know what's going to happen? Fruit of the Spirit. It's not going to strain. It's not going to try. It's just going to come out. That's how it works. So don't just play defense trying to restrain the flesh, but rather go on offense. What I want you to try this week, don't just try not to sin. Go seek the Holy Spirit, let him fill you and lead you to love, joy. What if you want a positive mission this week of peace and patience and kindness? Don't let Christianity be just about not doing things. Let it be about doing things. We've got lots to get after. Go score some points. What if instead of just trying not to get drunk and cuss and look at porn, what if instead you got busy serving God 
and loving God? What if you got busy loving people and serving people? You go do stuff. And if you're feeling the tug of sin, the temptation of the flesh, then you say, God, I need your help. Would you tell me, God, right now, what's the most loving thing I can do? Go do something positive. Don't just avoid something. Go do something. The fruit of the Spirit. The reason I want this for you is I want you to live a big life. If your whole life is spent on trying to avoid sin. Listen, the unholy trinity in my life is lust, pride, and bitterness. That's what I wrestle with big time. And, and if my whole life is consumed with just trying to avoid those, do you understand what a small life that's going to be? It's important, but man, I want to play some offense. The best defense is a good offense. I want to have a big life in, in serving my God and taking ground for the kingdom and walking with Him, walking with the Spirit. I want to play offense, not just defense. Now, if, if all this about the Spirit-filled life seems complicated, let me let you... Um, it's really about having just one job. Have you seen on social media, like, pictures of it? It's like, dude, you had one job. Have you seen these? Like, like here's one. You had one job, just one job. And the, the thing about it, like about this one, maybe you're not so good at the English, right? Maybe not so good at the spelling. There's a stop sign right there. Just match the letters, dude. You had one job. Here's the thing, Christians, you don't have a lot of jobs. You have just one job. And that's the next thing. You have just one job. When you go through Galatians 5, it speaks about the works, plural, the works of the flesh. It's plural in the English, it's plural in the Greek, okay? But when he speaks about the fruit of the Spirit, the problem we have is in English, we have fruit and fruit, singular, plural, right? But in the Greek, it's, it is singular fruit. He is talking about one fruit of the Spirit, and he describes it with nine words, Okay? The list of the Holy, of the fruit of the Spirit is not supposed to be nine different things to work at. So it's not supposed to, I'm going to run over here, I better work hard at love. Oh man, I've got to run over here, I've got to work hard at joy. Patience, dang it. And you understand that's flesh, right? Here's what I want you to catch. You don't have nine fruits to work on. You have one Holy Spirit to walk with. You do not have nine fruits to work on. You have one Holy Spirit to walk with. And it's wonderfully refreshing. It's wonderfully simple. Listen, you, you think you have thousands of commands to keep, and you don't. It's just one. In verse 25, he says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. That's it. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Walk with him moment by moment in relationship, which means there'll be constant conversation with God throughout the day. And then you're going to keep in step with him, which is a marching term. You're going to yield to him. So when he says go left, you'll go left, not right. And when he says forgive that person, you're going to do it. And when he says give more generously, you're going to do it. When he says serve, you're going to do it. When he says go talk to that person and be merciful to them, you're going to do it. And when he says you need to be humble about that and repent and confess it, you're going to do it. You're going to keep in step with the Spirit. When he says left, left. When he says right, right. Keep in step with the Spirit. And what will happen as you do that? Fruit. 
It'll just come out. It won't strain. It'll just come out in your life. See, you don't have nine fruits to work on. You have one Holy Spirit to walk with. And so do you want to know how to be a better person at your place of, of employment? Do you want to know how to be a better spouse, a better parent, a better child, a better friend, a better discipler, a better neighbor? How do I do it? You walk with one Holy Spirit. That's it. Can you just imagine as the fruit of the Spirit manifests itself in your life, how that would impact your marriage, your friendships, whatever it is in your life. That right there is the freedom that our soul craves. We're desperate for that. That Listen, the, the freedom the world offers is a cheap knockoff called hedonism. And that's where the pain comes in. This is what our soul craves. So I have a prayer that I want you to pray this week. What if you said, Father, I feel the wrestling match within me. I want to please you, but my heart is fickle. I do dumb stuff in my flesh all the time. I'm tired of it, but I can't fix it. I'm not the solution. The Holy Spirit is. Would you please fill me with him? Lead me with your spirit. Empower me with your spirit. That I would not only avoid the crappy junk of my flesh, but also display your fruit, your character in my life. That's what I want. I can't, but you can. Fill me with your spirit and live your life through me today. Grow me up today that I might obey just one command to keep in step with your spirit. Amen. Now you might think I'm going to have you pray that now. I'm not, because I think it would miscommunicate that this is a one-and-done prayer. Like when you came to Jesus one time and you're in. No, this is not a one-and-done thing, people. I want you to pray this tomorrow morning when you get up. And then I want you to pray it at breakfast, and then at lunch, and then at dinner, and then before you go to bed. We drift so quickly. You might need to set an hourly chime and pray this hourly. And then do it Tuesday, and then do it Wednesday, and do it every day. We have to do this. There's a huge payoff if we do. Imagine this. We're, we're, getting, we're in chapter 5 out of 6. We're getting toward the end of Galatians. And imagine if we as a church got two things. We got the gospel and we got walking with the Holy Spirit. There's a connection between them. See, the gospel is you can't save yourself. Only Jesus can do it for you. Remember that? Pure gospel, no additives. Then, here's the next part, you can't grow in Christ. You can't. The Holy Spirit can do it for you. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And the world is a mess. And the world desperately needs the church to absolutely shine. Can you imagine what would it be like for our communities if the people of Redemption Chapel, like we really got the gospel. We were secure and we were free. And... And we keep in step with the Holy Spirit so that His fruit is manifest in our lives. Can you imagine how that would impact our communities? That's the life we were made for. And that's what I want for us. In fact, let me pray for it. Father in heaven, if, if we're honest with ourselves and before you right now, that wrestling match rages in each and every one of us all the time, and we lose all the time when we're frustrated. Stuff we want to do, we don't. The stuff we don't want to do, we do. 
And, and we tend to be the frozen chosen here, Lord. We, we tend to try to go at it and try harder, white-knuckle Christianity, and do, the, do it in the flesh. And you quite clearly have a different solution, and that is you yourself, God the Holy Spirit, inside us. We tend to be so ignorant who you are and what you do and so disconnected. And Father God, could you help us from now on to just keep one command? To go hand in hand on a walk with the Holy Spirit throughout life. That you would manifest your fruit, no straining, no groaning, just manifest your fruit, your character in our life. And we could live the life you intended us to live for our own blessing, for the blessing of those around us. Not to earn your favor. We got that in Christ. Thank you for that, Lord. But it's a life we want to live. Would you do that for us, please? I pray in Christ's name. Amen.